left, right. Thank you for joining this episode of Sip Talk. This is a fun one, but it is uh, it's pretty dark. We are talking some of the worst ways to die. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's a topic we almost didn't want to do, but uh, it was pretty interesting. So that's, that's where some of the fun comes out of it. But, but obviously, when we're ranking the worst ways to die, really any way to die ultimately results in death. So they all are pretty lousy. And uh, if you don't think that's a subject you might uh, be up for listening to, then maybe you want to skip this episode. Uh, if that's the case, I'll see you next time. If you do commence, uh, I'll see you on the other end. Adios. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. God damn, it feels good to be back on air. This is Sip Talk. My name is Justin DiGiulio, joined by James, the Bosnia Boswell of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, a professional referee, a bartender, and most exciting of all, an accountant. James, how's it hanging down there in hot, sweaty South Carolina? Dude, it has just been, like, not so hot today. Um, like, I, went, I had to walk outside a couple times in the middle of the day, and it just feels like you're walking into an oven. <laughs> I remember living in South Carolina, and you drive around in air-conditioned cars, or you spend a lot of the time indoors. And then when you do, when you open those doors to go outside, although, God forbid, you, you open the doors of your car to get into a hot-ass car, it is, you think it's hot up here in New York when you open your car doors? Down there, it's like, it's a, another level of heat coming out of your car. Shit melts in your car. Shit the, the, you want to talk about how hot it was in my car? I didn't have to go into my car or drive anywhere today, but I was curious to see how hot it was outside, and I got one of those infrared thermometers. Oh, nice. We're going to do a little corona check on the car. Yeah, and so I, I was just, like, shooting random things in the yard to see how hot they were. I was like, I wonder how hot my car is. And my dash was, like, 165. <laughs> Holy shit. That's pretty hot. That is definitely pretty hot. So, look, uh, today's episode is... The worst ways to die. This is supposed to be a continuation of those tiny little things that really piss you off. And I was really looking yeah, we're stepping it up a notch. I think I think we'll have to return to those. But I think today we ought to get into the worst ways to die because why not step it up a notch? You know, we took a week off, we had a little hiatus, and now we are back, full well, force, ready to have a drink. I could use a drink. What are you What are you drinking down there? Um, I am drinking. Who is this? Oh, Wicked Weed. Watermelon Dragon Fruit Burst. And that's a beer or a, a type of shock tarts or something? Some Skittles. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know candy uh, names very well. I'm not... It's a sour. Ah, I so see. it's a beer, but it's a sour. So it's well, not going to taste all like got, regular beer. I got two drinks before we start to get into, into death. I got one glass of ice cubes. Actually, it is National Bourbon Day. I was notified by several alcohol delivery apps. And I was recently gifted this Maker's Mark. 46. I'm going to pour that into the glass, and then I got a little beer just to tide me over so I don't drink too You much should drink two-thirds of the bottle. Well, that's usually what I do on these episodes, and try to avoid that a little bit tonight. 
I got about a third of a glass, though, so that feels like a pretty healthy pour. Um, but yeah, so like last episode, we started off by talking about like stepping in gum or having a bird shit on you. And so now we're talking about other things that could ruin your day, like uh, death. Before we get there, though, just on this note, you're talking about this beer that you, you drink, and it's a sour beer. Mm-hmm. I want to I share with you kind of one of the worst things, that, that something that could ruin your day. So on Sunday, I got up, and I had to run to an open house in Queens. So I sat in traffic going out to Queens, and I had to be up in Albany to pick up my friend in Albany. He had won concert tickets at a distillery, and the distillery was kind of, it was an apple orchard, but they made ciders. They made hard ciders. So I drove from Queens up to Albany, and then I picked him up in Albany. We drove through pretty monsoon rain to get out there, but once we got out, it was like in Syracuse. Once we got out to Syracuse, the countryside of Syracuse, uh, it was bright and sunny. So we go to the concert. We get up to, uh, we get up to the gate, and he had won the tickets on the radio so the tickets were waiting for him at will call they took his information obviously over the radio well off air but the radio host we get there and uh they didn't have tickets for us Uh oh at that point i had spent about seven hours in the car <laughs> to, to make this happen uh either way we got in we were there for about 25 minutes the rain caught up with us and the concert got rained out <laughs> who was the band it was Guster. You know Guster? Oh, yeah, I like Guster. Yeah, nobody knows who Guster is. It's a great band. Yeah. Great band. Um, but there was a lot of, there wasn't sour beers, but there was uh, a lot of ciders. And some of them were kind of sour beer-ish. Yeah. Um, like, like a, a dry and, and sour kind of cider would be, like, have a lot of overlap with some, some sour beers. Yeah. And there was actually, there was one. Uh, that was there was a cider mixed with IPA, which was an interesting one. It was it was. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of cider. To me, it's like drinking like sparkling apple juice, and they're way too easy to drink. And I don't need anything easy to drink. Um, when I was in Spain, there were they they had a kind of cider that they would make, and it's very different than the kind of cider you'd get in the states. Like, it's much, hard cider. Yeah, a hard cider, but it's really dry and usually pretty sour, and it was really, really good. But, like, a lot of American ciders almost taste like candy to me. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of sweet stuff here in the, in the U.S. So people like it sweet. Uh, a lot of huskier people here in the, yeah. in the U.S. than there are in, in, uh, in Spain as well. Uh, oh, but look. And, and, and Spain doesn't hold back when it comes to their treatment of fat people. I would play street soccer pretty regularly at a court about three blocks from where I lived. And there was a pretty regular group of people that would show up there. And one night I'm there, and most people are all pretty slim and athletic, but there's this one guy that's on the heavier side. Like, on Americans, by American probably standards, by he'd probably yeah. be, like, overweight. Yeah. But, like, not obese. Um and all like i i don't know what his name was because all they did was call him gordo <laughs> it's terrible that's um, just what they referred to him like pasa me gordo pass it to me gordo fatty um all right now that you're you're degrading uh overweight people no you're not that's just, i wasn't you're recanting a story all right so look we got to get into the worst ways to die uh i don't is, i is think we can also talk here, about the it? best ways to die well i <laughs> Um, well, how should we lead? <laughs> um, 
I think we should leave with the more morbid stuff first. I think I think if somebody's listening to an episode titled Worst Ways And then we to brighten die, it up with Best Ways to yeah, Die. Yeah, I think I think that's, you know. All I right. Saw, I saw a guy on the side of the highway walking down the highway. I was going over a bridge. The bridge was like two miles long. And he had a hard hat on, but there was no cars around. So I assumed he was on some type of official duty. But as I passed him, I was like, shit, I wonder if that guy is going to jump off a bridge today. And if so, why does he have a hard hat on? He's probably like an engineer surveying the bridge. Yeah, but he didn't look very engineer-like. He was kind of wearing drabby, not drabby clothes, but he wasn't wearing like a, a light-colored vest or anything. Um, either way. All right. You yeah, leave, life man. pro tip for anybody out there. If you want to get in someplace, just put on a high-vis vest. If you have a high-vis vest and a metal clipboard with just random rattling contents, people will let you in anywhere. <laughs> it's probably, I'm here for the inspection. We don't, yep. we don't have an inspection. Well, <laughs> surprise inspection. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you got the memo or not, but yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I'm scheduled for ten o'clock. It's yeah, it's ten. Um, I just need to get into that closet over there, and uh, also the bank vault. <laughs> I heard about this guy that went to a fast food joint and he put up uh, like big cardboard cutouts, like life-size cardboard cutouts of himself. <laughs> and they were there for like a month or so because <laughs> he just he's like yeah we're here uh, for the new campaign we're, we were told we have to set this one up and they just let him set it up oh i gotta share this one really quick since we gotta although, get into this no, it's completely stuff, off topic so, so, but I, 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 it's, I it's worth it all right so <laughs> in england there was a park and there was a parking lot that had a little toll booth where you pay to park you know five bucks a day or something like that right parking lot yeah yeah so this, so the the attendant for the, the the parking booth showed up every single day, like nine to five, for like twenty seven years, and it was a city park. And eventually, the guy just stopped showing up to work. So the the people who ran the park called the city, and said, "Hey, this is such and such park. Um, the guy running the parking, like, he just didn't show up today. Like he hasn't been here for like the whole week." Can you guys send somebody else out to run the booth? And oh, the no. city says, that, that, that's not a paid parking lot. <laughs> we don't have anybody on the payroll that does that job. This guy just retired from collecting people. That's a brilliant idea. I wish I had the time uh, <laughs> to do that. All right, look, so you got to lead with this. you got to lead. Uh, I mean, I, there's a lot of good candidates, like the ones that everyone thinks of, think of and – um, I, I'm gonna go with like immolation. Burning to death sounds really horrible. Um, immolation is not. I I actually just uh, hovered over that word and clicked on it to figure out immolation. Um, interesting. And where like, now? Where does that? Where does that generate from? Aside from just doing it on your own or like a monk. Well, I mean, anytime you burn to death, like self-immolation would be um, like during the 70s. If anybody is familiar with Rage Against the Machine, their first album, the cover is a monk that's on fire. And there were, I think, two Tibetan monks that like poured gasoline on themselves and lit themselves on fire to protest the Vietnam War. But so that would be self-immolation. But like, you know, if you're in a house fire, chances are you're not dying 
because you burn to death, you're probably dying from like smoke inhalation or suffocation. Which, which is usually how that works, yeah. But I think burning to death is like, I don't know, you ever been burned? Yeah, I've been burned. It does not feel nice. Uh, I can't imagine doing it on purpose like a monk. That's uh, some pretty serious shit. Yeah, but even if you don't do it on purpose, if you think about the worst burn that you've ever had, that doesn't even touch on what burning to death would be like. Um, I think we should take turns here because I want to I wanna share with you uh, this. Uh, oh, come on. Now, now I lost my window here. The Spanish donkey. Have you are you familiar with the Spanish donkey? No, but so I put down torture as a general. But there's certain there's there's definitely torture devices out there that um, sound really awful. So well, I'm gonna what, I'm gonna share with you the Spanish donkey. Let me share the window here so it's so it's live. Uh, the Spanish donkey is it's almost like a, a what would you call it? The horse that you would ride in like gymnastics or something. The pummel horse. Yeah, pummel horse, but it is. It's shaped in a V. Right. Yeah. So, and what they do is they. Uh, where'd this one go with the with the girl here? Um, and they t so they put you on this horse, and they. I mean, this is creepy, scary shit. Um, and what they do is they tie weights to your feet, and they increase the weights. To potentially sever you. Is that not freaky as shit? Yeah, that one's really bad. There was an. I'm also thinking. I don't know if it. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a device where it's basically a giant metal tube that you're in, like a human-sized metal tube, and like they would heat this thing up to like so it was glowing red, and then they would put you in it. That sounds very difficult to get you in there. Well, if your hands and feet are tied together because they're torturing you, probably a little easier. So, uh, so just on this on the Spanish horse thing, uh, I read that it was a torture device for women, uh, and I assume that probably had something to do with infidelity or something along those lines. And the instrument is called the chevalet. Which is a French, the, from the French diminutive of chevel, which means horse. We could have Rosh correct us on that one, but um, but they put you on this effective triangular horse and then tie weights to your feet. Um, that sounds terrible, even if you are just heavy. And they could they might, may not kill you on this, uh, but it might be something that they would do to torture you, uh, and then you could be seriously injured. From this chevalet. Oh, here's one. Um, keel hauling. Do you know this one? No, I've never heard of this. So this is a like pirate and old maritime punishment, where you would have a rope that goes. So you've got the ship, and on one side of the ship is a guy standing about to walk the plank, basically, mm -hmm. and on the other side of the ship is a rope. And it's taking you and dragging you across the bottom of the boat. Ooh, yeah. I've never heard of that, but that sounds pretty terrible. And the thing is, if you think, like, all the, because they think 1800s boats. So they're big and also, like, they've been in the water a long time. So they've got all sorts of barnacles and crap on the bottom. Oh, God. 
That was a that was a way that they would torture people or effectively just sentence them to death. Um, I think depending on, I don't know if it was always fatal, but it would be something. It was kind of like the worst punishment on the ship to enforce discipline. So if somebody like really screwed up, then they might be keel hauled. Oh God! So uh, I wanted to segue from Spanish donkey into quartered by horse that one's bad so the the quartered by horse basically each of your limbs is tied off to a horse so your your wrists both wrists both your ankles are tied to four different horses and then i assume they're all slapped or something along these lines so they yeah, go they running run off in, in four different directions, directions and then you are left quartered now i imagine in rare i don't know if can you search if anyone has ever survived being quartered by horse i don't think so um it, it would really depend on where your where your body uh tears there but that and this is something they actually did well, i think back in the yo it wasn't even it wasn't the, the quartering might not even be the worst part of it actually because i'm looking at this and yeah this uh, it was a punishment for high treason in England um, in like the 14, 13 and 1400s. And it started where they would be like they were hanged almost to the point of death. Like they didn't want the hanging to kill you. And then you would be, and this is all while you're still alive, by the way, emasculated, then disemboweled. Mm. And are, are you reading this, the Britannica article? No, I'm reading the Wikipedia article. Oh, They're saying okay. that you would be headed, you you would have your head chopped off, and then you would be quartered. So the quartering part, you wouldn't experience. Mm. Your body would, but you wouldn't. It's it's actually it's called drawn and quartered. Yeah. Mm. So I have I have uh, England twelve eighty three a crime for treason. Mm. Um. Have you heard of scaphism? No, I have not. So this is a Persian method um, where they would tie the victim up between two boats. So think like two rowboats. And they would leave a little gap of air between the two rowboats. And then they would cover them with milk and honey. And then just leave them in the boat to attract like insects and vermin and stuff. There's some really sinister shit out there, man. I, like, I don't even like thinking about this stuff. Honestly, it, uh, like, I don't like watching horror movies. I, I, I don't like, like, I don't need this shit rattling around in my brain, right? Like, it is not. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. We're like, I don't need movies to show me super graphical depictions of whatever is happening. Like, you can kind of let that happen off screen, and I'm fine to know that it happened. And it advances the plot however they want it to. But I don't need to see the gory details. What I'm it. saying is I don't even want to know about it. Like, my, my brain can go in some pretty rough places sometimes. I don't need yeah. the, uh, like, I don't need on the that extra topic, ideas. Um, like, being beheaded. Because, like, with the guillotine, and this is something that, like, I, I think it would be almost impossible to investigate scientifically. But the thought is that after being beheaded, you're alive for about 10 seconds. Yes. 
Um, and I think they have tried to prove this. Some scientists like went and he was trying to, he said he was going to blink a certain number of times after he was beheaded. But your brain and your eyeballs work independently from your lungs and the rest of your body. It's just that they need your, your lungs and your heart to circulate blood to keep them functioning. Yeah, but apparently so, they can function for some very short amount of time afterwards. Yeah, very short amount of time, but um, that does sound terrible. Um, so look, so we I, I I mentioned the so I have a segue here, man. I'm trying to build trying to build a direction here. I had the Spanish donkey. And then I went into the being drawn and quartered by horses. And now I have crushing. So crushing is death by placing heavy weight on you. Uh, and this was a common method of death through the South and Southeast Asia for over 4,000 years. Uh, and they were crushing people by elephants. So they're having an elephant step on someone effectively. I had, I had heard of the practice where like they just kind of tie you down to... like a board and then they put another board on top of you and then they just start putting rocks on top of it so this was a uh, a punishment by law uh, i'm guessing probably somewhere in oh it says french law so it's french law where the method of torture where they basically do that they place heavier and heavier stones on top of you until you enter a plea and it was usually for people who wouldn't talk. They wouldn't enter a plea in court. They wouldn't say anything to incriminate themselves. And they'd, they'd say, well, we're going to make you talk, you'll see. <laughs> and, uh, and they just keep putting weight on top of you and on top of you until you finally say something, uh, you know, which if you hold out too, too long, it could be, uh, could be too late. Yeah, for those of you who think the Fifth Amendment is a problem, like I present to you the alternative case. Yeah, where you're forcing people to talk. It's, I mean, that's very similar to, like, long, long, long-ass interrogations where they're, like, 12, 18 hours long. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit, the, the, the practice where they just keep somebody in a room and, like, barely feed them, barely let them go to the bathroom and just exhaust them to the point where, like, what do you want me to say so I can just go home? But also your brain's not working correctly, so, like, you also just... Also true. Yeah. Um, especially if you've had only a lot of coffee, like... Caffeine makes you go pretty. I mean, combine sleep deprivation with a caffeine overdose, and you can easily hallucinate. That happened to me once uh, when here. I drove when I drove back from Colorado towards the very end. Happened to me driving back from from South Carolina to Albany. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, you were in the car. Oh yeah, what was happening? Um, you were sleeping, and I was hallucinating. <laughs> what were you hallucinating about? Oh, I think I remember this. Yeah. Okay, you got to you fill me in though, because I. So, yeah, I was probably about ten hours into the drive at this point. Why was I not driving, or was your car? And you I, didn't it was my car, car, and I, I just I drove until I couldn't anymore. Yeah. Um, but I remember like the last two hours or so. It's kind of the very early, like very early morning. So maybe like an hour or two before sunrise to like six to six thirty in the morning, whenever the sun comes up. And I remember looking up at street signs you know, New York City, 100 miles, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, whatever I was thinking to keep myself awake, I was thinking, like, I wonder how, I wonder what it would be like to own a horse. And so it would be like, I'd look up at the street sign, and it would say, own a horse, and then I'd <laughs> blink again, and it would say, New York City, 100 miles. 
And you know how yeah. when you're driving and like the opposing traffic causes like the posts in the middle and the median to cast shadows on your side of the road? Yep. I kept yeah. on thinking those were animals that were about to jump in <laughs> front of the car. I've had this, yeah. Oh, and, like, we finally got out to a gas station in New Jersey and like I got out of the car and it was like I was drunk. Like I had no sense yeah, of balance. That, that's what happened to me. Yeah, I, I, I collapsed in the parking lot when uh, I was in a Walmart parking lot. And yeah, like it was really hard for me to even just like walk into the convenience store to buy a drink. And then I get back into the car and it was almost like everything came back into focus. Like there's like this tunnel vision where you zero in on just one task. I was like, all right, if I wasn't able to like walk or form a sentence when I was outside of the car, just because I'm focused right now doesn't mean that I should be driving. And I had you take over and you drove like the last three hours home. Oh, that's what I was going to say is that you can you can have that that you know good focus. But then what happens is once you get up to speed, you get kind of back in that groove and the vibrations from the car and the lights and just driving fucking straight with without much to think about or to do or to occupy your brain that's that's when you lose it that's why one of the things that i like when i do long road trips and i didn't i, I didn't do this over the weekend when i was in the car for 10 hours in, in one day uh i like pretzel rods because you know you can pop a pretzel in your mouth and you get the crunch but if you like a pretzel rod you can't stick a pretzel you know long pretzel rod in your mouth so you have to kind of be you know using your hands to keep you occupied and then also you get the crunch from the pretzel rod. And then I like, I like, well, gum is always good. I also like podcasts uh, or talk radio or even better, having someone having a conversation with you yeah. is very helpful. But if you're driving alone, you get tired. Like one thing that I learned pretty early on, but probably should have learned it earlier, is when you start to get tired, where like your eyes start to close and you feel like you're kind of nodding off or whatever, pull over as soon as you can and just like, Take 30 minutes, take 40 minutes, and just, like, sleep in the back of your car or something. Dude, that nap is, is – I've done – I've had to do the motorcycle or I was falling asleep in the motorcycle. I just – I pulled over to, like, a text stop and just laid in the grass for, like, 12 minutes. And I just woke up and felt like a normal person again. But sometimes your brain just needs to – it's like the power cycle on your on your phone or on your – like, right before we got in the podcast, I know every once in a while i using a little too much RAM. So right before we jumped on today, I reset my computer. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll definitely be good. Yeah. But it's just be, something about being on for too, too long is not, is not good. And that, I will tell you, has to be one of the worst ways. It did not make our list. I don't, do we have car crash on here anywhere? No. Um, I think there's a lot worse ways to die. But car crash, uh, especially after you've been struggling to stay awake, cannot be, cannot be great. Well, I mean, you might have the, because on one of the best ways to die, a, a few of them are kind of like dying in your sleep from various things. So I don't know, like if you fall asleep while driving, then a car crash is falling asleep, like dying while asleep. Ooh, on that, I learned something. I learned something very interesting. And it was talking about 9-11. They're talking about being on an airplane. In an airplane traveling at roughly, so... How, how fast do you think the airplanes are traveling when they hit the World Trade Center? Probably between three and 400 miles an hour. Okay, so let's say 300 miles an hour. You're going to have to do some math here. At 300 miles an hour, how far do you travel in one minute? Um, hang on. 
440 feet per second. That's what I was getting at. So 440 feet in a second. Yep. All right. What do you think the distance is from the nose of the airplane to seat 33A? 150 to 200 feet. Okay. So if you're traveling how many feet in a second? 440. Okay. So if you're traveling 440 feet in a second and in roughly half a second, your seat would be at the same place as the tip of the airplane. Yep. The majority of those people, before they were even consciously aware that the plane had made impact, were already smithereens. So the actual impact of that plane hitting the building, because you always think how terrifying that would be, but realistically that happened in half a second. I think it, There's a lot the, of terror the terrifying part to. is the, the minutes leading up to it of knowing that the plane's been taken over and knowing that something terrible is going to happen and you're probably not going to survive. Like, well, uh, the actual know. death is probably not that bad, but the moments leading up to it would have been. Yeah, but you also may not know that you're going, yeah, there's a lot of terror in that, but you may not have known you're going to hit a building, right? You might have thought ultimately we're going to land, like we're just, we're being held captive but, on like, this airplane. As you're, as you're circling New York City and seeing the buildings, it would probably start to dawn on you. Potentially, yeah. Although nothing like that had ever happened before, so it may not have been. You might have just thought, hey, they're holding us captive, circling us around New York City so everybody can see us. Well, I can think of uh, when I, the last time I was in Spain uh, was 2015, and the day that I flew into Spain, there was a headline about a Lufthansa crash that actually, like, we flew over almost the exact same route that this plane crashed on. And, it, and what it was, it wasn't a mechanical failure. What it was is that one of the pilots had, like, severe depression that he didn't report to his employer and, like, didn't, like, take psychological leave from the job. And, like, he locked himself in the cabin and just wouldn't let anybody else in and just flew the plane into the mountain. Look, I said this. In so think about, like, being a passenger on that and, being, like, knowing that, like, because people were trying to get into the cabin, like, because it was there was, there was always Listen, two pilots well, in the cabin. On. One of the pilots goes to the bathroom, and he's yeah, like, "Hey, man, let me back in." Look, I I've said this. I I was on a rant for maybe a month or so, a few months ago. We have lowered our standards, right? People don't want to come into the office. Well, like we'll let them run the company. We don't have to tell them to come. People want this or they want that. We're we're not. We really lowered our standards across so many different things. Now. And, and rather than pick the best candidate in many instances, we're filling quotas. Now, when it comes to people that are driving your buses or flying your airplanes, I want the best person doing this. And I look at people on the street every day. I look at people. I had some crazy road rage maniac this morning, really, like, basically tried to run me off the road. And I came from behind him. Like, like I had nothing to do in his life prior to the eight second altercation we had at 85 miles an hour where the guy was like slamming on his pull in front of me, slamming on his brakes. I tried to go around him. He cut me off. And then he just got, got off of the next exit and gave me the finger. And I was like, what the fuck was that? But I want the absolute best people doing the jobs. I want there to be stringent requirements. You know, I want to, I just want high standards. And when you start incorporating the everyman into this mix because for whatever reason we're filling quotas or because we've 
relaxed our standards to let more people do this, there's a lot more instances for this to happen. And I don't know exactly how to deal with that, but I'm telling you, I don't want everybody having a shot at being able to drive a plane because they feel they deserve to. I don't think that was the case in this one. I think this is something where, like, this guy lied to the company and, like, it would have been hard for them to figure this out. Like, not impossible, but it would have been hard for them to realize that he was in treatment for depression and, like, be able to pull him off of the, the, like, the active pilots for some time and say, hey, you do your mental health thing and once... Once you're healthy, come back and you'll have a job. But we we can't have you flying right now. Well, I mean, for the same reason, I like having regular driver's license tests. I think that's a really good idea. We don't do it. I think yeah, companies who have that people that are... doesn't make any sense, really. Well, it's, it's obviously the car manufacturers must have an interest. I would assume they would have an interest in not no, having regular drivers. The car manufacturers don't really care either way. You know who cares? The states who are issuing the licenses and making money no. that way? I don't know who. The AARP. You think? You think they're lobbying against the Department of Motor Vehicles? I can guarantee you they are. Really? Because who would regular driver's license testing affect the most? Presumably senior citizens, yeah. Yeah. Anytime one of these things gets brought up, like it, it, it's always the AARP saying no, and like they'll 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 message their members and say, "Hey, this is what your politicians thinking about doing. They're going to take away your right to drive. So make sure that you vote against this person next election." All like politicians are terrified of the AARP. Why? Because there's a ton of old people in this country, and they fucking vote. Yeah, old people do vote. Yeah, you are correct. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So look, let me just get back. So I, so I had Spanish donkey, then I had quartered by horse, and then I had crushing, where they add weight to you, weight to you until you enter a plea or until you just get crushed, and that's they're adding usually stones, right? Um, uh, now the next one is being stoned. I don't mean being high. Oh, <laughs> but I mean death by stoning. Death by stoning. I, you know, I, I've thought about that in the past. I actually listened to a podcast. Yo, last that night. still happens. I believe it. It's it's fucking terrifying, and where where I wouldn't want to live if there was a town where like there you know if you had cobble streets or something like that like you know then then you know easy ammo there. The Middle East it still happens in some countries. God, um, often mob justice style, which is not great. Yeah, well, that is the thing about mob justice. <laughs> um, I mean, on the topic of mob justice lynching. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty bad way to die, uh, I would say. Uh, I would also say pretty terrifying. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times you're, you're definitely not going. Well, is there anywhere where that's legal? No. I mean, the U.S. has a bad history of that and racism tied together. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. What do you, what do you want to add next? Because I, I had the, this, the the donkey, the horse, the stone, the crushing of the stone. Rabies. Yeah, uh, what what's the deal with dying from rabies? You kind of just go insane. Like, let me look up. Yeah, you got to share with me some real data here, my friend. This is this is informative the to the this is informative to the listener, and uh, right. and your duty. Prognosis. Da, 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 da. 
Okay, so rabies is almost always fatal after neurological symptoms. Like, so let me see cause, etymology, signs, and symptoms. All right. What I want are so, the signs and symptoms and the progression of getting so rabies. The, the, the period between infection and, and actual symptoms is like one to three months. Like, so if you oh, get God. bit by something rabid, like you need to get the, the vaccine within days. Um, and the, and the vaccine is remarkably effective. So like, if you get vaccinated, you're pretty much okay. But like, so the initial period, um, are pretty nonspecific and just like a fever and headache. But like, as it progresses, it causes inflammation of the brain and the meninges, which are like the sheaths on your nerves that like kind of protect the nerves and help send the signals. Um, Symptoms include paralysis, anxiety, insomnia, confusion, agitation, abnormal behavior, paranoia, terror, and hallucinations. Nice. Terror. Um, <laughs> terror is a... Yeah. That's wild. Like, eventually, like, you're, you're just in a delirium, and then you enter a coma, and then you die. But think about, like, what a rabid animal does. Now imagine being a person that does that. I don't really know what a rabbit animal does. I know they foam at the mouth. So a dog, if you know, a dog might foam at the mouth and be a little growly. Uh, a raccoon, maybe. Yeah. So like, th there's the like the aggressiveness. So there's there's kind of like two forms. There's like the dumb form, which like, you when you see an animal that just kind of like is stumbling around looking kind of drunk. Mm hmm But then there's also like, the aggressive form where like anything that gets close is just attacked. Mm. I uh, I had a... Ra so, apparently this raccoon must have knocked the... I have a clamp on the garbage can. Of course, we have to use the county garbage cans out here. The county garbage cans don't have any locking mechanism. When we were in Colorado, they had bear controls on the bear locks on the garbage <laughs> cans. Here, there was nothing. So, I have a clamp that I clamp on there. But somehow... It, it, this guy got the thing off like he was it was a little over full it was a little over full so like he could kind of get at like some of the garbage bags sticking out of the edge and kind of wedge himself in there but somehow the clamp slid off slid off finally popped off now i saw the thing in the camera and i have a floodlight outside that's motion sensor and it went off uh, which made me look at the camera and uh i shot this thing like dead straight between the eyes with a fucking bb gun <laughs> and he ran away <laughs> That one probably wasn't rabbit. It was just no. I don't think. I just think he was a raccoon being a raccoon. Um, uh, although, look so, when I when I opened the door, I was what was happening. Hang on, I got I got to paint a little picture for you though. So the raccoon and what he was doing is he would he'd wedge. So he got the lock off the he got the clamp off the garbage can. So what he'd do is he'd pop his head into it, and then the lid would pop up on the garbage can, and then he would grab something out, and then it would slam down on him on on the on the garbage can. So each time it slammed, I open the door a little bit more, open the door a little bit more. And then finally, once the door was open wide enough that I could step out and he wasn't paying attention to me, I just took aim in the, the little BB gun at him and fired and completely missed. Uh, was <laughs> but it a CO2 he, powered one? Yeah, but he stopped and he looked at me and he just kind of looked at me and then I, I shot him one more time. I don't know, it was right between the eyes, but the thing fucking jumped like four feet up in the air and just ran away yeah those things hurt man yeah i should have um, pulled out the bow and arrow so acute radiation sickness 
Mm. This is if you get like a mega dose of radiation. This is why dentists and, and uh, people that do radiology uh, have to wear that lead apron, right? Um, that's so for regular... like prolonged exposure to radiation. This is going to be like whatever dose there is of radiation that you get from an x-ray is like one drop of water. Whereas what I'm talking about is having an entire pool of water fall on you at the same time. Okay. Um, and how could that happen by visiting Chernobyl? Um, so if you were to go into a certain part of Chernobyl, like if you were to go into the room that has what's called the elephant's foot, which is where like kind of the entire nuclear pile melted down and like formed this, this kind of radioactive column of metal. If you were in that room for like 30 to 60 seconds, that would probably do it. But um, the, the cases I'm talking that I, I was researching happened at like nuclear power plants or at like Los Alamos during the 40s when they were researching nuclear weapons where you have radioactive material that all of a sudden like goes critical. So like in one experiment in Los Alamos, they had like this ball of plutonium that's emitting radiation, right? Mm -hmm. And they had these two shells that were neutron reflectors. So if you've got a ball sitting between two shells, like the closer you bring those shells together, the more neutrons are going to get reflected back into the plutonium. Mm -hmm. And so I think what they were doing is like one of the guys had like one of the shells was kind of like fixed below the plutonium ball and the other one was loose so that they could move it up and down to see like how much radiation was coming off of the thing as they it reflected more or less neutrons. And I think what happened was like it slipped and like went and almost closed off the entire thing. And mm -hmm. so it caused the, the core to go critical and it released a massive amount of radiation like that. Mm. And the, the guy who, the guy who was closest to it died in like nine days. Wow. And when it happens, like if you get above a certain dose, so there's some doses where like, you're not going to feel good, but if you get the right medical treatment, you might survive. But there's kind of a dose above which you, there's nothing that can be done. And so like immediately afterwards, you're, you're going to feel really crappy. Like there was one case where the guy got a massive dose and like was knocked out when he came to like knocked, like knocked over. Mm -hmm. And then like when he came to like ran outside, like say like feeling like he was burning and then just like started spasming on the sidewalk. And, like, when he came, then, like, after that, like, acute reaction happened, like, you basically have your entire white blood cell count is wiped mm -hmm. out. Like, just, and... So your body it also, repair itself. It wipes out all of your gut bacteria, too. So, like, one of the first symptoms that you're going to have is just, like, severe intestinal distress. But... What like <laughs> at, 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 no, but at an acute level, yeah, you have no yeah. gut bacteria, and and so some like for some of the more minor minor but fatal cases, like you'll have like these symptoms in like the first couple of days that are really really bad, and then there will be a period of like ten to fifteen days where you're actually fine, and it's called the walking ghost phase. 
Yeah, because, well, you're dead, but you're still, you know, you're, you're, you have a death sentence. Yeah, and then everything comes apart, and, like, it, it ends with, like, your skin falling off of you. Skin falling off, yeah. Yeah, it, so that made me think of microwaves, which microwave basically cooks you, but it feels like you're being warmed. Mm-hmm. When they invented microwaves, wasn't somebody like like sunbathing in front of a microwave dish or something like that? Maybe it makes me think of a way that somebody died, where they worked at like a radio station or some some like place that transmitted radio waves, which yeah. were on roughly the same frequency as microwaves, and it was somewhere up north, so it was cold. And so what he would do is sometimes he would like like there was a a gangway that went across the dish. And so there were sometimes he would like bring a chair and just kind of like sit there to warm up. Yeah, we're talking about the same instance. And, yeah, and, and the then like one night he fell asleep. Yeah, and cooked himself to death. Um, which you just, I just think of like an overly microwaved hot dog, and that sounds fucking terrible. Yeah. It's, uh, that is but it would nice. take a lot longer. It wouldn't like if you microwave a hot dog for too long, you know, it'll explode. But. This would be like the same effect, but like over much. It would take a lot longer for it to happen. I heard. I heard recently the way that microwaves heat food is by causing the uh, the water molecules to vibrate. Yep. And the water molecules vibrate. Vibration causes the heat. But yep. that's why when you put uh, something that is dry, like a plate, in the microwave, you can microwave it for ten minutes, and it doesn't get. You can you can pull the food out. And the plate itself is something you can put your hands on it. However, of course, there is some heat that can transfer just general heat from the food onto the plate. But the microwaves itself are not heating the plate. Yeah, if you were to put the dry plate in there with no food on there and you microwave it for a minute or two, the plate's probably still going to be cold. You could, pro- you could probably put it in there for five minutes and the plate's going to be cold. But the plate yeah. gets the heat from the hot food. And mm-hmm, the hot right. food gets its heat from the water molecules vibrating inside of that food. Yep. Mm. All right, what else we got? Uh, let's see. Do I have any other worse ways to die? Um, I wasn't able to find too much in terms of, like, the symptoms of this, but, like, the brain-eating amoeba is pretty bad. I was thinking of, uh, well, hang on, on that, uh, tell me about that, because I'm thinking about when you have worms or some type of, what's that, uh, tapeworm? Like- yeah, tape. I don't. It's pretty hard to die from a tapeworm. It is very hard to die from tapeworm. However, it can work its way through your body and start eating your brain. And in I didn't know that the tapeworm could do that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure tapeworm can eat your brain. Like, uh, but tell I'm me. I'm not how, saying that having a tapeworm would be fun. It sounds really terrible. But tell but, me about this amoeba. Let me look up the tapeworm. Well, so it, you get it from from actually like swimming, and like if you inhale some water or whatever. It'll like if you're really unlucky, it'll cross the membrane in your nose and be able to kind of it's already really close to your brain. So it doesn't have too far to go to get into your brain. And yeah, it just starts eating your brain. And that, like yeah. once it does that, like there's no treatment. It's, it's kind of like the acute radiation sickness where like by the time they make the diagnosis, that you have this brain-eating amoeba. Yeah. It's just like, you got two weeks. How do you want to spend them? Yeah. that I don't know how I would, I would want to spend them. I want to kind of finish my, my um, business Here, let me quick. see. I've got the symptoms really quick. 
Um, pathogenicity. So, takes one to nine days for symptoms to appear. Include headache, fever, nausea, vomiting, loss of appetite, altered mental state, coma, drooping eyelid, blurred vision, and loss of sense of taste. Later, the symptoms will be a stiff neck confusion, lack of attention, loss of balance, seizures, and hallucinations. Once symptoms begin to appear, death will usually occur within two weeks. So that's, but that's very similar to the tapeworm, something that invades your brain, starts eating your brain. Um, but look, I think, you know, if I was faced with that death sentence, if it, if it was that fast, I would probably try to get my affairs in order in as quick as possible time. And, uh, then I just try to party for like the next couple of weeks. Just yeah. It's going to get like progressively pain. harder to do that just because yeah. you like are dying. And then you would want pain medication. I think like you have some drinks then you have some pain medication and then you just yeah. listen to some music or something. Can shit. we get to the best ways to die? Cause I think that. Uh, okay. Well, you know, we can skip over drowning <laughs> and we can skip over starvation. Um, what made me think of this episode actually was, uh, an episode on how drowning works from how stuff you should know. So, uh, I learned quite a bit about drowning and it is not fun and you can actually drown several days after you inhale water. Did you know that? Yeah. I don't understand exactly how, but and basically, I, I, it breaks your lungs. It ruins the uh, something like the fascia or something along those lines that are inside of your your lungs. The brachial tubes get damaged, and uh, it's bad, man. Is it something that, like, if you were to go to the doctor or the hospital, they'd be able to save you? Or is it, like, one of those ones where, like, once it's broken and you're done? I'm not sure, but I believe after a certain level of damage, you're done. I think it's something that you can, uh, you can stop at a certain point, um, but I'm not sure how... I didn't do the article on how to prevent drowning once you've drowned, oh, <laughs> but like... uh, but let's but we can transition to the best ways to die. Uh, I like your number one, so uh, you know, we, one? we don't advocate making yourself die. And <laughs> yeah, if don't feeling, if you're feeling depressed, like call the the suicide prevention hotline. If you're feeling depressed, like look, actually on the real, if you're feeling depressed and you're feeling suicidal, it's not my place to say shit. But I can tell you one thing, that with time, things can change beyond your wildest imaginations. So what you need to do for the time being, if you're feeling suicidal, is call the suicide hotline, talk to some friends, and make some big changes in your life. Even if you don't think change is something that can happen, I promise you, life can change in such a short amount of time, you, you would be completely surprised. Don't we, do something you can't take back. We tend to overestimate what we can do. How does it work? You overestimate what you can do in a short time and underestimate what you can do in a long time. Is that is that how that works? I think so. Yeah. So you underestimate what you can do in a long time, but then you overestimate what you can do in a short time. Um, but I can tell you that in a relatively short time, your life can look completely different. All right, so what's the best way to tie, James? Well, I'm going to actually say heroin overdose. Oh, that was not the number one on your list. No, it's not my number one, but it, it, it it's not the first on my list, but it is my number one. <laughs> Do you know this from experience? Um, kind of. I know that you – I know where you're going with this. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have asked that question. But 
explain the mechanism how heroin works and why that might be a great way to die. Well, I mean, anyone who's taken like an opioid painkiller can talk about how, unless you have a specific allergy to it, how it just makes you feel relaxed and happy. Which, what does it do to your brain? Well, with a high enough dose, it just depresses brain function to the point where, like, your autonomic function shut down. I'm talking about uh, endorphin release. Isn't Doesn't heroin uh, block endorphin receptors, something along that, that line? I actually, no. I, I, <coughs> I don't know exactly, like, the opioid pathways. But How is there no research? I'm telling you, we were rushed into this episode, my friend. <laughs> we were rushed in. We don't need to get into like the. We don't need to get into the specifics of how it works. Um, like, ask anybody who was hooked on heroin, or a lot of people. Like a lot of people who were hooked on heroin will report the following: that after they took heroin, nothing else in life mattered because nothing else in life made them feel as good as heroin. So, and that's what I tell young kids. <laughs> And teenagers, when it comes to doing drugs, if somebody tells you, try this drug, you will like it, the answer is, no, thank you. I'm aware that I will like it, but no, yeah. thank you. How That's good how are drug drugs? Work. Drugs great. are so good, drugs they will great. ruin your life. Drugs are great. Dr drugs will become your life because there is nothing better than drugs on the face of this earth because the way that drugs work is they interact with your brain in a way that nothing else can. But nothing else matters. Yeah, it's it's that's the thing about drugs. So well, they're just do... pressing a button that can't be pressed any other way. Yeah, and that's and why they're terrifying. And blocking other buttons. Yeah, like my only experience with quote unquote heroin was when I got fentanyl in the hospital for my broken arm, mm -hmm. and I remember being woken up to two hospital residents torquing on my arm trying to get it lined up again and that hurt pretty bad but it also woke me up and then i was just kind of laying there with my arm in a cast and just like this fentanyl haze and i couldn't have been happier hold your hold both your forearms up I'm looking Super pretty white right? yeah, they're looking really fucking pale dude my, yeah. i thought i had a little tan but not in this light but but compared to your arms dude you look like casper and yeah. i know you get a lot, probably a lot more sun than i do at least no i don't uh, like yeah. i do a lot of my running and biking at night these days because it lines up with my schedule better but anyways um heroin overdose like you're the happiest you've ever been and then you die it, that's how it works um, and then you got carbon monoxide poisoning on here, basically so, because you just fall asleep. Yeah, I think it depends on how you do it. Because, like, if you do it the wrong way, then, like, you're Fuck. kind of gasping for air. Yeah. But if it's, like, if you do it while you're falling asleep, it's just why, like, so many people try and kill themselves by just, like, parking their car in the garage, turning it on, and going to sleep. Yeah, don't do that's a waste no, of gas. Like, it's a waste of gas, assholes. All right, gas is really expensive. And you know what? If you want to try that in an electric car, be my guest. <laughs> yeah, the problem with the electric car is that you just get bored to death. <laughs> well, you probably have an iPad as your fucking center console bullshit. Yeah. You're going to surf some fucking Instagram in your Tesla. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, people, don't kill yourselves. This is just like. If you're going to have to die, we're these adding are probably this the segment. We're die. adding this segment because we just talked about sitting on a fucking wedge and being torn in half. Yeah, <laughs> so we need um, to add some levity. So, so 
can I read your next your next line? The, Just the, keep going, man. The, the trying to beat. Because it, it, <laughs> it reads it. It says, James notes here, read, <laughs> trying to beat Evil Knievel's jumping record 14 buses intercourse. No, no, no. That's a comma. Like. I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna die, like, maybe do it doing something awesome. Like, that's, I always thought to... that would be like, you know, I always, I always assume that when I died, it would be like kind of in a, in a fury of kind of some type of ball of fire type event, and and I was cool with that. I don't, I don't try to invite it, but right, I, think so it, like, I think it's better than just like a boring way to die. Right. I've never ridden a motorcycle before. I'm gonna try and jump 15 buses. <laughs> if you can get into gear, fucking go for it. Yeah, like that's just a like. Yeah, I wanted to come up with a specific example for a general idea of like, just do something batshit crazy, man. Dude, Don't harm last, anybody else, but like. The last time we talked, I was complaining to you about having to drive like fucking three. I've spent so much time in the road in the last week, and so much time in the office. I was complaining to James about having to drive like three and a half hours in monsoon rain conditions on the fucking motorcycle coming from a funeral <laughs> it doesn't get much more fucking dim than that shit <laughs> yo it makes me think of a, a line from a stand-up comedian i can't remember who it was he was, he was complaining about old people driving slow like I don't understand why old people drive slow. Like they've already lived most of their life. Like why why aren't they the fastest drivers out there? What do they care? What are like, they gonna lose? Yeah, he's like it, like when I'm eighty, I'm like I'm buying the fastest car I, I can afford. And just like imagine that, like, dude, I'm so bummed. My grandmother died. Well, well, what happened? What happened? She flipped her vet. <laughs> she was doing a buck ten. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody pulled out in front of her. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I, that's, you know, the thing is these days, anybody you talk to, they're kind of party message. It used to be like, have a good one. Now it's be safe. I don't, I don't really like that. Be safe. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, but I don't like the phrase. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very new one where everybody is wishing each other caution in the wind, right? Like it's not, I don't think it's good for anybody. Be safe, you know. Take no risks. I think the the yeah. riskiest risk is not taking risks, man. Everything in moderation, including moderation. I, including moderation, yeah. You can't always be super moderate, and the yeah. fucking living in the abundance of caution is a fucking boring ass way to live. Uh, well, when I was a teacher, um, one of the people that I worked with had a a cool like closing phrase. That, he would always say to anybody, like, as his goodbye was, keep your head down. Keep your head down. Uh, and this was who? This was a student? And you no, were no, teacher? this is a, a fellow teacher. Mm. He was a former Navy guy. And that's the thing about being a teacher is you can actually have a catchphrase, right? Because you get yeah. recycled new people every year. You have some influence on people, and they just kind of cycle in, cycle out. This guy had the the, the cakest job in the entire school. What he was, was the job? ISS supervisor. Is so, in school suspension supervisor. That's so like the any whole of the, job. Yeah, you, you oh, have to have someone to watch dealing, the kids. Bro, you're just dealing with the derelicts. Yeah, but you're right. But like the rules of ISS were, you don't get to talk. You don't get to do anything. So he just sat in a room where kids were had had to be silent for like seven hours straight. 
and like he would walk them to like the cafeteria oh, so they could get their lunch. Because in school suspension is all day. I was thinking yeah. detention. There's in school suspension and there's out of school suspension. Yeah, out of school suspension both. never really seemed like a punishment to me. No, no, I agree. But in school suspension, like yeah, so he would just sit in this room and like read a book for seven hours straight and just make sure that like the kids didn't talk. We are gonna have to drop our Instagram stream. We'll stay live on TikTok. We'll stay live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, so if you're on over and just cue the music, and we'll continue the conversation for a little bit until we get bored or I drink too much. Music. <laughs> There's the music. There goes our outro music. But yeah, um, man, that, that guy's job was like at the time I was like that would be so sweet. Like you just get to chill in a room because like I would bring, that like a couple times I had to do his job for him when he called out sick. And so I just brought in a laptop and played chess. Because as long yeah, as my I laptop would, was on silent, it didn't matter. Dude, I would want to interact with the students. I mean, the thing is, I there's a certain. No, I'm sure of, it would have gotten old after a couple it, weeks. It is so cool right now to be compliant. It is so cool right now to wear the mask. It is so cool right now to tell other people to comply. I didn't, we, I mean, I don't, I know you are way more liberal than I am, and you're like, well, no, it's the better thing to do. But I'm telling you, as a kid, you would not have been the kid wearing the mask. Oh, no. As a kid, I would have been the one fighting it every single day. Yeah, and, and you would have been fighting on some logic of your own, just like, look, I mean, I'm telling you one thing about fucking masks, they don't do shit, unless it's a good mask. Um, and I'm well, all for wearing a good mask. If, it, no, the science, all the mask studies show that they are like, four, the best mask study shows like 14% efficacy. It's, in most of the masks, the cloth masks don't do shit, and then the the paper masks that people are wearing... Look, I'm going to tell you something. If I was, like, scrubbing asbestos, I would not wear any of the masks that I see people wearing on the street. I would wear an industrial rebreather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the rebreather on it. I would not be wearing these fucking paper masks. And that's how I can tell you that, like, if you can smell farts through the mask, it doesn't work. That's the uh, I don't know. Man. Fart that's... particles are a little bit smaller than virus Corona particles. particles. I don't. I, yeah. I disagree with you completely. <laughs> I disagree with you completely. Um, we got to talk about a couple great, more great ways to die. Actually, and it, is, it has nothing to do with farts. <laughs> so dysentery. Got... Yeah, we didn't. We didn't touch on dysentery as a bad dysentery way to die. is terrible. That's not a good a way to people, die. A lot of people died in the Oregon Trail via dys dysentery. And yeah. uh, we didn't. That didn't even top our list. Yet all of us have died on the Oregon Trail via. Dysentery. Yeah, dysentery is pretty bad. Like, just, if you're over thirty years old, at least. Just, um, my roommate made this point because, like, so after he blew like, up the bathroom, he <laughs> well, it, it, it's uh, he says he doesn't want to die like Elvis, and it, it's just like he doesn't want to die on the toilet. Now, there's yeah, a I'm, difference between like an embarrassing death and like a painful death. No, you know that. Elvis was eating like this garlic bread peanut butter jelly sandwich type thing. Yeah. You 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 familiar with that? It was it was like peanut butter and pickles <coughs> or something. 
it, it was it was uh, it was my understanding is that it was a a uh, a buttered bread with peanut butter and jelly. What you know what it's called? Um, Name of uh, sandwich, Elvis. Peanut butter, banana, and bacon. Maybe. Yeah, it had bacon on it. I think. Yeah, that sounds. So either way, so my thing is actually Elvis had uh, some issue going on. You know, how they said Robin Williams had a Louis body dementia. Oh. You, familiar, you familiar with Louis body dementia? I remember reading about it, but I don't remember the details. Dude, it is scary shit. Uh, I will tell you exactly what it is. So Louis Body Dementia is how Robin Williams died. Um, what is Louis Body Dementia? A disease associated with abnormal deposits of protein called alpha-synuclein in the brain. These deposits are called Louis Bodies. Louis Bodies and affect chemicals in the brain where in turn can lead to problems with thinking, movement, behavior. Uh, what are the first signs of Louis body dementia? Hallucinations, delusions of reality, like Al Alzheimer's, uh, cognitive fl fluctuations, changes in movement, behavioral shifts, sleep problems. Seven stages. No Stage one, no cognitive decline. Stage two, mild cognitive decline. Three, mild cognitive decline. Four, moderate Okay, it's just, and then it goes severe, and then very severe. All right, that's a shit. That's a shit list. Um, what happens at the end of Lewy body dementia? Muscle weaknesses affecting swallowing ability can lead to aspirated food or liquid, resulting in pneumonia or death uh, in advanced dementia. Problems with aspiration, but basically, you just fucking. Go, it's it's similar to rabies. You just go mad. Really. Yeah, so what happened was people who were close to Robin Williams said, like, he locked himself in the closet. He called them, like, 35 times in 10 minutes, like, shit like that. And then he just he hung himself, which which I, my thinking is the hang of yourself in that moment is your last bit of sanity making that decision, right? Like, really a shame, man, really a shame. Yeah, well, with Elvis, I'm pretty like, – was it an aneurysm that he died from? Because like. So. Yeah, but my roommate was just like, I don't ever want to die. Like, don't I don't want to be found on the toilet. Like, that's just an embarrassing position to be found in as your death. We had this alcoholic agent. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I've ever told you this story. We had this agent who was like a college dude. He was like a frat type dude. Came from some means. He was hardcore right-leaning. He used to go to this Irish bar. We thought they were like the KKK or something in this Irish bar. We don't know what the fuck they were doing. We never went to their meetings. But he was, in terms of his social media presence, pretty pretty right-wing. Either way, heavy-ass drinker. You go out with this guy, you wouldn't see him for three days afterwards. We don't know what where the fuck he went. So, he told us he had cooled with the drinking. Now... Uh, in our old real estate office, we had drinks a lot of the time. Now, the vast majority of the time, nobody would get crazy drunk. Now, there was a, a few outlying events, but like the people were respectable enough to take compose themselves, go home, sleep it off, and come in the next day, maybe a couple hours late. So this was a guy that disappeared for three days after drinking, but it was none of our business. We were, uh, we were celebrating something, you know, like a big deal. And uh, we were sitting in one of the rooms with some big conference tables, relaxing. We had a few bottles of champagne, a couple of bottles of wine. And there was eight of us, maybe. So 
guy comes in and says, hey, guys, how's it going? You know, can I get a little uh, of this? And I look, I, you know, he didn't ask me. I didn't, I, I wasn't the one celebrating. It was my company, but I was, I was just kind of there celebrating with the people celebrating. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he goes, no, it's all right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, taking it slow. And I assume he's talking about like just, he never admitted he had a problem, but he said, oh, I'm taking it slow. So we gave him a little glass of wine and, uh, we're not in my office. We're in kind of a corner office, conference room type situation. So uh, the guy comes back. and We only gave him half a cup of wine. The guy comes back 35 minutes later. We're still all hanging out. Nobody else in the office. And he goes, hey, can I get a little more? I'm in the other room working. He has another half glass of wine. We sent him off. Um, he came back maybe a half hour after that, another glass of wine. You could, you know, you could, we, you could tell we were a little rambunctious, but... We're in the office. So uh, then that guy disappears. Like, all right, he went home. Now, we all were about to leave the office, so we're closing up. We're putting our empty bottles in the garbage can. We notice all the lights around the rest of the office. This guy at his desk, his, uh, his cell phone was still there. All the shit was still there. His computer was on. And uh, we didn't know where he went. We walked around the office, couldn't find him. I walked into the office. This guy... Uh, had thrown up in the bathroom and passed out on the floor. And he had his pants around his ankles. It was, it was, a, it was a rough scene. So there's, there's one thing to die on. I thought, I mean, I, I didn't know what the fuck was wrong with him. I thought he like fell and he slipped and hit his head. I didn't realize he was drunk. He had, he had three third glasses of wine. Come to he find must out. He have been like drinking, on, like hiding it. Yeah, he was hiding. Yeah, he was drinking something else and he drank like a bottle of whiskey that night uh, and then passed out in the bathroom floor in an office, which is like a really shitty situation. But, but it was what it was. Um, but yeah, dying on the toilet, even worse. At least this guy almost died in the floor of the bathroom, not endorsed by us personal. It's like, what do you do if you have something that works for your company and they're doing drugs that you don't know about? Well, if you don't know about it, you can't do anything. Exactly. We, I mean, I, I actually fired the guy uh, once, and somehow he got rehired. Well, but... it makes me think of your time in South Carolina when you had a coworker um, whose face was on the front page of the Posted Courier, like, passed out on the sidewalk. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah, I, I don't think his name was tied to that article, was it? No, but just how he, he kept his job. No, no, I think he I, I think he actually got fired because even though it wasn't like his name wasn't on there, like the company recognized his face and they're like, "Yeah, we can't keep you." Cuz I remember he was in the group of friends that you had, but he didn't actually work for your company. Oh, yeah. And so he like, must, he how did he know everybody? Cuz he used to work there. Why did he mm. used to work there and not work there anymore? The picture in the on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah, well, because the, the, there was a headline of like, "Has King Street drinking like gotten too like out of control?" And here's him. So, but that's the thing is, I think the cops have this duty to pick people up at the end of the night, right? Or even in the middle of the night. Like, if people are not obeying the rules, people are sleeping on the streets. People are. It's one. So here's here's something about New York City. And a lot of public places in the U.S., there's no benches. There's no seats because the homeless people take them over. But it's one thing if, like, you're in a park and there's somebody who's nodded off because they're taking in the sun, relaxing on their work from break, uh, on their break from work, 
and you just kind of tap them. They go, oh, sorry, I was just, you know, I'm on my break. What time is it? Let me get back to work. And there's another thing if they're, like, high on fucking drugs. Yeah, it's just like if you've got someone who's sunbathing out in the park and they happen to fall asleep while they're sunbathing, no cop's going to be arresting them. No, but if somebody smells like fucking shit and piss and they're on drugs and they're surrounded by syringes and you tap them and they don't wake up, that person goes to jail. It doesn't matter if it's 2 o'clock in the morning or it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And also, if that person is hammered from leaving the bar and they don't wake up, that's public intoxication. You go to jail. But the problem is right now the police are too worried to even touch these people. Well, and then you know, I, we, had, I, I, we had an issue where last week um, my girlfriend was on the train into the city and there was a crazy person harassing the people on the train and because it was the last stop into the city the so they weren't checking tickets because you have to you have to pass a turnstile to get in you got to show your ticket at that that turnstile so they don't check tickets on the train the person was going crazy on the train harassing the the customers on the train and she was like fuck this guy's gonna like beat people up maybe beat me up i'm in the second row uh and nobody did shit and yet you still had to pay a 15 dollar ticket 1475 ticket to get into manhattan how does that how do you justify that uh, you don't. And yet, and that you know, and yet, like somebody who uh, doesn't have a ticket because it, their ticket won't load on their phone because you're underground for that time, um, they call the cops on. Or if you have a, an open soda on the train, or back when you didn't have a mask on the train, they would call the cops. But yet, this person can be on the train. You're not allowed to have a drink on the train. Uh, well, when there was mask policy, there was. They were strictly prohibiting anything at all. You couldn't have Skittles because you'd be opening your mask. They uh, were re- they were really, really serious uh, in New Jersey. Long Island Railroad, where the laws were actually stricter, they just weren't enforced, which is really weird. I went from Long Island Railroad into Penn Station, then Penn Station New- in- onto New Jersey Transit, and it was like a different world. New Jersey Transit was like... Uh, crazy, like very, you know, enforcing masks and everything. And uh, the next place wasn't. Hmm. So I don't know how we strayed from best ways to die. Is there another best way to die that you want? Yeah, to ground with? zero at a nuclear explosion. You think it's the best way to die? Uh, if you don't see it coming. Yeah, it's just instant. It's just in a flash, and you just disappear. Now, like, if you're far enough away that, like, you don't die immediately, it's going to suck really hard. But if you're within, like, the the half-mile radius or whatever where everything's just vaporized, that's not bad. Um, yeah, as long as you, it's a terror before, right? Just like mm-hmm. when we talked about the trains, it's the terror before. It's not the actual incident, which is why I think, you know, some people just go wild and other people find peace. I've always been somebody to find peace. I don't know about you, but that's why I like to fly hungover. I've never heard of that airline. I've never heard of that airline hungover. I usually <laughs> fly JetBlue. Oh yeah, and like you hit a little bit of turbulence or whatever. If you're hungover, you're just like take it down. My head hurts anyways. <laughs> just make sure to hit something like hit something hard. I don't want to be walking away from this one. I don't want. I don't want to be like limping away from the crash site. Dude, I uh, 
there, you know, there's a, there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about limiting drinking on airlines. Um, I hate flying. And I fly way better after, you know, a few drinks. And being able to have a couple of drinks on the plane, I like. Well, I think the the issue is, especially after Corona, like when people started flying more, like you have to have seen the videos of all these people just losing their minds on airplanes. Dude, well, that's... I'm curious your perspective on that and even what in particular you're talking about. So people are losing their mind in what way? Like treating other people on the plane, be it stewardesses or like flight attendants or like other passengers, like just just people not treating people like people. Okay, what are they losing their mind about? Well, sometimes it's the masks, but there's also been cases where, like, people have just been, like, drunk and, like, just bothersome in general to people. I, I thought you left the alcohol actually out of your, your statement. <laughs> no, no, no. But, there's, like, alcohol is a factor in a lot of these. But I, I would say that the mask actually, in both directions, the person wearing the mask demanding that the people around them wear a mask, and then the people not wearing a mask saying it doesn't matter. All right I mean, now, my I, whole I'm, thing is like when I, the times that I've flown since Corona or whatever, my whole opinion is if I have to wear a mask, it's not particularly pleasant. So everybody else should have to wear a mask because if I'm suffering, you must suffer too. Okay, but that, that that's not a rational statement uh, or logic. I'm now, just saying, the way like, that, I'm not going to be the one the to way change that I, the rules. The so, way like, that I, if I have to play by the rules, then everybody else does too. This is newer for you as you become more liberal. All right? Now, my thing is I don't want to have an argument with anybody, and I also want to appear relatively respectful. All right? Now, when it comes to wearing the mask, we have this co-op unit where the building requires us to wear masks. I put the mask on. I get in the elevator, walk into the apartment, take it off. Now, I don't carefully fit the mask around my nose and do the whole shit um when it comes to the plane i usually just put the mask on the most comfortable way and then just order as much food and drink as possible so i can take it off but my thinking is that if you're on the plane and you've been sitting there for 42 minutes and then you can take your mask off for the next 19 minutes to eat some pretzels and have a diet coke and then you got to put your mask on it really it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, if we're, I, I think you you raise an interesting point, which is like, it, the it, mask never mattered to begin with. We were just wearing it out of respect and out of kind of reverence for you know like the more well, liberal side of things. I, I think the question is like, do the masks help if you allow people to take them off for some amount of time? And first of all, if the masks don't help that much. And then second of all, do they help any more if, if people put, take them on and put them off? Well, I, I think by any stretch of logic, you would have to say that taking the masks off is going to reduce the efficacy. Yeah, and then we're letting people take them off. You know, another thing that I realized uh, over the last couple of weeks, we haven't talked about this in the podcast, um, is that the... A lot of the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the mask mandates 
were demanded by the media and the, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done anything but a lot of it was demanded by the media and by people saying hey look at China what they're doing is stopping coronavirus and that's what we need to be doing and look at China and that and that's the solution because it works you can see the stats coming out of China yet we are trusting the statistics coming out of a coming out of a communist regime that is notorious for making up statistics and lying. Well, I think when it comes to the lockdowns, like if let's say a coronavirus infection lasts for two weeks before it's no longer infectious, right? And I'm sure that the numbers are slightly different, but I'm, I'm probably pretty close, right? Okay. So, well, that was originally what we thought. We're going to shut down for two weeks, and then everybody who's going to get sick is going to. Now, like, well, it actually might take ten to fourteen days to implement itself. So we're going to wait another two weeks, and then we'll be good. Yeah, yeah. And and then we got, and then we got the twenty-eight days. Twenty-eight days later, we're good. I'm not also a zombie movie, by the way. I'm not saying that the way we did it was correct. What I'm, I'm explaining the theory. You're explaining the rationale that we used. The the theory is if this thing's only infectious for two weeks. If everybody locks down for two weeks and nobody goes anywhere and nobody's exposed to anybody besides the people that are in their own house, then the virus will have nowhere to go and it will immediately fizzle out because it just can't transmit. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those ones where I think unless you execute it exactly right with perfect precision... Then, As was enforced by the military in China. Yeah, then it won't work. And so what we did in this country was half-ass our way in, half-ass our way through, and half-ass our way out. And that's exactly, exactly what happened based off of uh, infer- intel coming from China. So yeah, we half-assed our way and half-assed intel. So, so I, I mean, I, theoretically, I think... if we didn't half-ass it, it would have worked. But also the intel we had was fucking half-assed anyway yeah. because it comes from a communist regime that's known for fucking lying. And I'm sure that there's going to be studies done on the lockdowns and their effectiveness and like both like how they were effective by implementation and whether their impl- implementation itself was effective. And I'm going to be really interested to see what they come out with. And that'll probably take a little while longer for them to even be able to come up with <coughs> some preliminary conclusions. But... It's entirely possible <coughs> that the way we did the lockdowns in this country really did fuck all. But you also have to say, given the information that we had at the time, what was the best decision? And well, I can't we were, say we were, that the lockdowns we were, were. I don't know. But we were also really late on doing anything. Well, we yeah. Had, probably had Trump saying, you know, it's just going to disappear. Um so if we had acted faster, if we had better testing to have an idea as to where things well, were, we and like we didn't, we didn't implement testing almost until a year afterwards. Well, and I mean, now the you... testing places, there's fucking testing places uh, on every block in Manhattan. Well, and if you don't they're like waving, pe- they're waving places down, they're waving people down the way the tax agencies wave people down with fucking blow up dolls and shit like that, and mascots in the street because now they have. 
you know, like now they had to generate that business for themselves. Well, you know? um, if we had the if, testing, if you, didn't, if you don't test these people, if you didn't like, if we don't test these people, then we just don't have coronavirus. Well, I think the I think the actual phrase was cases are going up because testing is going up. <laughs> Something along that along those lines, which clearly, clearly is the case, right? You know, that's, I mean, how would it not, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we, we've noticed the speeding seems to be going up because now we have police out there with speed cameras. Well, um, the cases were always there, but, but also this was a, this is a, this is a test for the United States and the, yes, and the rest of the world to see how we deal with pandemics the issue was that they oversold this pandemic from the get-go and a lot of it was to make trump look like shit and to get him out of office and what happened was well, trump he, did a good job on uh, uh, on that on, point that, on, his own. on his own sure but they they over they put all the regs in the fucking coronavirus basket to get Trump out and it worked and it worked but then we're still dealing with a shit that is bullshit two years later where there's one kid in a high school or a middle school that gets coronavirus the fucking uh, 700 student school shuts down or now we have parents trying to get their fucking three-year-olds vaccinated for coronavirus and you know the information's out and what's wrong with getting a three-year-old vaccinated uh, because the vaccines don't do that much, and the three-year-olds weren't at risk. There was there was nine three-year-olds. There was nine people in the United States under the age of twelve that died from coronavirus. So, yeah, but what's the harm of having a three-year-old vaccinated? Well, uh, right. But but there, but there's more. You know, vaccines. But there's we're not vaccinating for anything, right? What we we vaccinate three year olds for all sorts of shit. Uh, oh god! By the I'm time not... you're three, you've probably had like two or three courses of vaccines for like like measles, mumps, rubella, smallpox. Like some vaccines, I'm pretty sure they give to like babies that are like twelve or fourteen months. I'm not entirely sure because it's not like I'm gonna have a kid, but. But also, those vaccines eradicate that virus in your system. This doesn't eradicate. No, they, no, they don't eradicate the virus in your system. You don't have the virus, and the vaccines well, I mean, give they, you immunity. They give you full immunity to them. Yeah, that's what I mean. This doesn't give you full immunity. No, but if it's if it is harmless and it gives some kind of partial immunity or resistance, then why not do it? Um, for the same reason, I don't drive fifty miles an hour in a fifty-five. Or well, that I, is harmless. I, I that that drive, is harmful. I don't drive uh fifty-five in a fifty-five. Well, that's also harmful. I weigh the risk on my own. Like, I watched a video of people driving in Atlanta, and they said the speed limit on this highway is fifty-five. And so they formed a four car, like it was four lanes. So they got four cars to drive 55 and they, they, you just watch the traffic back up. And yeah, so the yeah. point of the video was to show that like the speed limit was set artificially low 
and that it's yeah. unsafe to drive the speed limit on these roads because everyone's driving faster. Therefore, the speed limit should be higher. Uh, much agreed. Um, should we kill the stream? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, user interaction is dropping off a little bit. All right. So we're going to thank you guys <laughs> for uh, for joining us. James, you want to stick around for a couple of minutes? We'll uh, sure. finish the conversation. And uh, we want to thank you guys for <laughs> our, <laughs> the topic has, has, has morphed into coronavirus. Um, and we apologize for that because we'd like to keep our content very much in line with the title of the episode. Um, but if you made it this far, you want to subscribe and you want to harass the fuck out of us in the comments for losing track of where we were going. So uh, thank you guys for making it this far. We'll see you on the next podcast. And adios. All right, that was our episode on Worst Ways to Die. Tune in for the next episode. I think you're going to like that. And if you, uh, you're on a roll, you've seen a few of these episodes, make sure you subscribe. Uh, Sip Talk is on every audio podcast platform from Spotify to Apple Music to Anchor. Uh, and you can watch on YouTube. So uh, we post-produce, we throw them on YouTube, and uh, we jazz them up a little bit. So uh, hopefully you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. On that note, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for coming. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.